so other than that, you know, my my sex education and a lot of our sex education is very dependent upon either porn um, or peers, porn and peers, you know? Yeah. Ooh, let me write that down. I know. You host and I steal my idea. What up, y'all? This is Brittany. I'm Mandisa. And I'm Jamal. And we are your hosts of. We're your hosts of. And we're the host of. Living Millennial. Living Millennial. Living Millennial. A podcast where you'll be hearing three different perspectives and emerging stories from three different millennials on everyday life and trending topics. Hey, y'all, welcome back to Living Millennial. This is Brittany. Today, we will not have Mandisa or Jamal with us. Uh, they are out in the real world, living their best work lives, being artists and stage managers and shit, you know. <laughs> um, but I do have two amazing, magical, inspirational, beautiful, black <laughs> guests with us today. I have my friends Bria and my Isha with us. How are y'all doing? Fantastic. So horrific. Okay. All day. <laughs> Everything and better. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, thank y'all so much for being here. Um, tell us a little bit about you guys, um, about yourselves and what you do and also how you got to the work that you're doing now. Maisha, I'll have you start. Okay. Hello. My name is Maisha. My pronouns are she, her, they, them, goddess, and daddy. And I am the creative goddess and founder of Souls and G-Spots, um, which is a business and creative project that I started to focus Black women in the conversation around masturbation. And so I talk a lot about how masturbation has opened been a door for me to um walk through to open up more to myself and my sexuality and to heal from bad sex all right bria (laughs) (laughs) hey y'all my name is bria my pronouns are she her i am a health educator and i am also a yoga instructor and my business is just brief free llc also known as just brief free yoga and wellness um, but my specialty area when it comes to health education is sex ed. So here to share all my tricks and tidbits and little statistics and all that with y'all. Um, and I hope to be um, or a resource to folks who are interested in exploring, you know, the data side of things, um, but are not sure where to start, as well as demystifying and destigmatizing a lot of the things that have perpetuated throughout the Black community when it comes to sexual health and well-being. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Yes. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention. I'm also I be forgetting about this. I'm also a sexual assault counselor advocate. Yes. Yes. That's why you forget. I don't know that. because you know what it is. I'm always trying to separate my nine to five and then what I do. <laughs> so, no, lump that in together. But I'm trying to learn how to bring them together. Okay. So. Well, this show could be a great start to doing that. How about that? And Bria, I heard you. She said she's gonna show us, uh, tell us some tricks, y'all. So let's uh, let's keep <laughs> yes. notes, keep y'all's uh, pens and notepad apps ready for that. <laughs> I'm trying to take some uh, take some of those tricks home with us. So if you all haven't uh, picked up already. The discussion we're going to have today is about sex and sex education. I'm really excited to have this discussion. I do uh, have, again, two amazing people with us um, who are doing very good work for our community. So I want to make sure we highlight their voices. And right now, it's time to play Would You Rather. We have All not right. played Would You Rather for a little bit. We've been doing the song association for a while, and it's, it's a really good time. However, would you rather, I think, is like the perfect game for today. So this is how we're going to play. I will give you guys about four to six questions, and each of those questions would have two scenarios, okay? It's the rules of the game. So I'll give you two scenarios, and you cannot change anything about either of the scenarios, but you have to tell me which of those scenarios would you rather be in. Oh. Does that make sense? So I you have to pick. So I'll give you two scenarios. Pick which of the two and tell us why. All no right. changes. All right. Sounds good? Let's go. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. First one. <laughs> Would you rather 
Would you rather be having amazing sex that lasts 47 seconds or would you rather have average sex that lasts 10 minutes? Maisha. <laughs> Mm, okay, well, it you said so sex, and we can talk about this later. Sex can be defined by as so many different things. True. So uh intercourse. You talking about penetration. <laughs> which penetration, I'm not penetration. Okay, okay. Yes, ma'am. Um, you can't change anything. You just want forty seven seconds or you want average sex for ten minutes or something amazing for 45, 47 seconds. Ten to sex forty seven seconds. You can't. Okay. T- amazing tantric sex. We changed it a little bit. You've been in the room. <laughs> okay. And tell us why. I mean, tantric is basically the reason why we already know, but tell us why. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, because I mean, tantric or t- tantra helped me and I'm still in my elementary understanding of what it is, but I think it really helped me solidify what I already knew, which is that sex is so much more profound and bigger in you know, dick to pussy and or dick to ass. So or strap on to pussy, whatever, you know. So for me, <laughs> for me, I'm like some staring into each other's eyes, some kissing, some some rubbing, you know, for me, forty seconds sex forty seven seconds of that with a, a beautiful person is fulfilling. Okay. Or can be. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Okay, Bria, mm-hmm. would you rather be having <laughs> amazing sex that lasts 47 se- seconds it don't have to be tantric <laughs> or <laughs> average sex that lasts 10 minutes i'm going 47 seconds as well um i think the idea that that length of time is indicative of, of anything other than me getting bored <laughs> like <laughs> that, i think for me it's like if not saying that would be my my go-to but quickies are wonderful for a reason and I'm not opposed to that. So, and since we loosely define sex in this situation, I'm content with my mental definition of what would be happening there in 47 seconds would be fine. That's enough to get me right for the day if that's all the time I have. So, okay. Yeah. I like that. Um, I mean, because the end was, I mean, it's all about the end result. I like that. <laughs> okay. So, number two, would you rather be a sex slave for a month? No, God. Or wear a chastity device? For a month, I think. Yeah, Bria. <laughs> um, I'm going for the belt, and you know why? Because <laughs> one, I ain't trying to be nobody's Hebrew slave. Second of all, I, I think, I think there's actually a lot of joy in, um, like challenging yourself and seeing what happens when you take the emphasis off of that and what other ways you can connect with your partner don't get me wrong I think we would not be thrilled for the first couple days but I think it would be fun to have a little bit of like a a countdown I would be probably a little cranky son of a you know what for a couple days but you know we'd be all right right. (laughs) I like that she probably be cranky for a couple days (laughs) those first few days of the month okay yeah I'm gonna go with the sex lane I knew it yeah I'm gonna go with the sex lane Uh just because uh there's there's and we can talk about that there's there's power um in submission yeah um and people don't think so and i am black people in particular and i know because we we have a particular history and there's a certain energy that comes um over us when we hear the word slave yeah and so that's very valid right but i think that there is a lot of power in submission and and, and and we don't take into consideration that the person submitting actually is like the real dom in the situation. Mm, yeah. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think it's power in it. I like that. Okay. I'll answer that question. I I think I would rather go with the belt as well. Um, because just as I I know that there's power in submission i also think there's power in waiting um yeah and i think and i'm typically intrigued by the build-up to the end result Mm. you know Mm -hmm. um also 
pushing past the initial response to hearing the word slave, right? <laughs> pushing past that issue. I don't know what people, like what the next person would want you to do as a slave. Like there might be some things I don't want to do and you can't say no as a slave. You know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, so there's no. Nope. Nope. You can't change it. You got to do it. If you was slave, girl, you was slave. Yep. Okay. Number three. Would you rather not be able to see during sex or not be able to touch during sex? Oh, my Ooh, child. <laughs> so when you say see, you mean with your eyes? Because there's other ways to see. With your eyeballs, queen. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm cool with that. Because I can see with my, I can see with my intuition. Yo. Mm-hmm. I can see with the legs. Yeah, I can see another way. Okay. So... I can see with my imagination. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I like cool. I'm cool with that. Touch it. But touch, yeah, no, I need to. Yeah. I need to touch. <laughs> okay. All right, Bria. Yeah, I'm going to have to echo that. Um, I, <laughs> you know, as a, as a yogi, my third eye, I, I'm always working to get that third eye open, and I don't need the other two to be open if that's there. So, uh, yeah, the lack of touch, I think, would, would drive me nuts. <laughs> and and also like there's so much fun in not being able to see if you explore you know if you're open to that I mean again let's go back to like blindfolds and th- things like that like this there's it could be fun it could be fun but no touch would be a struggle a struggle yeah well okay so actually I think my first response would have been you know I'm okay not being able to see but listening to the both of you I actually think that there could be there could be something that's pretty intriguing about not being able to touch. I think that temptation so and like that. No, it's not being a slave. No, being a slave. Want the no, 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 no. It's not <laughs> bondage. And no, it doesn't even have to be bondage. I think having the willpower not to do so mm-hmm. and like, and the anticipation that comes with that, I think that's pretty intriguing. Like, again, the buildup, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, I'm, y'all wanted too much about me. Okay. No, I like so, that. Because it's, okay. <laughs> All right. Number four. Would you rather give up sex for a year or give up masturbating for a year? I already know Maisha's answer. Bria, what's your, what? Oh, go first. My God. Um, <laughs> huh, that's hard. I'm I'm almost surprised at my answer, but it's probably going to be the latter only because of the situation my life is in right now. Yeah. I think if you had asked me this, uh, <laughs> like six months ago, I would have had a very different response because um, I have, I'm, I'm in a relationship, I have a partner and that would probably destroy <laughs> our relationship. So <laughs> asking based off of my life right now, that would be a, a, a no-go. Um, but yeah, if it were just, me out here fancy free doing what I wanted to do, then yeah, my answer would be different. <laughs> I got you. I like that. <laughs> she was like, uh, your girl is in a relationship. Uh, <laughs> we got to keep things strong. Go ahead, yeah. Maya. Let me just say this, right? Uh-huh. See, sex, masturbation is sex to me. Okay. So, sex to me is an umbrella term for so many different things. Mm-hmm. So, if we're talking about penetrated sex, again, like, I think it's overrated. Okay. So, and that's probably because I haven't maybe enjoyed it in the well, same way yeah. that I have other forms of sex. Yeah. And there's some women, there's women out there who will not, are, who don't get like enjoyment that. from yeah, yeah. penetration. So that means. Yeah. I think it's different when you used to messing with men with penises and then you switch over to something different and you're like, oh, okay. There's, I feel like there's less emphasis on rushing to putting something in my vagina. Maisha, okay, you can want you to answer, answer the question, sex or <laughs> masturbation, girl? Oh my God. Um, so yeah, if you thought about penetrating sex, yeah, we could do without that. Okay, so you would rather masturbate for a year. Yeah, I've been do- I'm doing that now. <laughs> not now as we're recording, y'all. Not as no, we're recording. No, not as we're recording. Yeah, yeah that, that, that other shit. Goodbye. Okay. All right. Y'all will like these. These are the last two. Okay. Would you rather... Only be able to have sex in cars or only be able to have sex in the shower? Aisha. I'm going to go with the shower. I had a lot of car sex as a, <laughs> as an early 
Oh, when you couldn't have sex in nobody's mama house? Right. Exactly. <laughs> when I was living at home, I had a lot of car sex. Uh-huh. Um, so I get no per- And then I, I don't like, no, that makes me triggered. Really? I, yeah. Uh-huh. I, that's traumatic. Okay. I, now, I would never fuck in a car again. Okay. Or in a hotel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, avoid anything that can that can trigger you, Queen. What about you, Bria? I'm also going with the shower. I am. Um, <clears throat> I too maybe explored cars a bit in my youth, and um, yeah, I'm a little over it. And I think, well, I appreciate a good like if you're talking about the the fun of the potential of being caught. That's fun until you actually get caught, and I will save that story for another day. Oh, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I am so good about that. Um, showers are great. Glad they exist. I'm glad they exist. Wow. Yeah, I need to hear that story. Um, I would say shower as well. Cars is difficult. It can be difficult, and like I just don't think you can really like get in where you fit in. So. And showers are like easy cleanup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, that. Okay, very last one, you guys, and then we'll actually get into the discussion. It's, I'll be having too much fun with these, and I'll be writing down all the questions. So, Ready? all right, would you rather find your parents' sex tape or have your parents find your sex tape, Bria? Lord Jesus, <laughs> it does not help that I'm in my parents' house right now. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm gonna have to stay with with finding theirs because if I, I it would take me all of two seconds to figure out what was happening to me like burn it throw it <laughs> and it's not for my eyes to see. Um, whereas you know with my my parents and technology, I would be afraid that it would take them a couple more seconds before they realize what was happening. And I'm queer, and so there's just the, the layers of of no save yourselves that would be happening there. Um, yeah, no, unfortunately, <laughs> I'd rather traumatize myself than traumatize them, so. Yeah. I love that. She said, I'm queer, so. <laughs> they might see some stuff they ain't ready for. Okay, I like that. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to have to echo that, because then my mama's going to find out I'm gay. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Well, no. that could be, might, that might help the conversation. No. You never know. No. Nope. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm. I'm. Okay. You got it. I would rather. I. I think I'm. I'm in the same boat. I would rather find their tape so I can just cut it off any which way. Um. But also, like, my dad's a Pisces. My mom's a Virgo. So, like, I might learn something. You know. You never know. Pretty <laughs> a freak. I'll say. They've been together for a long time, y'all. It's. They ain't together for nothing. Um, that was fun. Did you guys like it? <laughs> I love it. All right. So I do want to ensure that we get into the discussion. We have some really powerful things um, to discuss and to, to go through. Um, and I do want the audience to know that overall our goal is to, you know, like Bria said, dismantle stigmas um, that come along with uh, like the umbrella that is mm-hmm. sex and sex education. Um, and we also want to be, relatable and educational as well. So anything that you guys hear, I definitely want to ensure that you take away from it, take away some powerful things um, as well as, you know, reach out and comment or find us on Instagram or Facebook and we'll give our handles at the end of the show, um, you know, so we can continue the discussion about this. Um, and we'll be giving resources throughout the show as well. But I do think that I always like talking about sex, by the way, y'all. It's like, it's actually really fun and, and it truly can be educational, especially if you're getting the right type of education. Um, but I do want to start with talking about, you know, the most common approach to sex education in schools and in households. Like what were, what were you all's experiences and what have you seen in school? Mine. Okay. Self-talk or I relied on my peers. So a lot of my, a lot of my, I didn't have an official sex education class. Mm. I remember, I remember we had a health class that explored, this is a, a penis, this is a vagina, you could catch an STD in the store. Mm. Um, so it was more, it was more that kind of fear tactic. 
around around sex and then more specifically around the body being afraid of my own genitals and then therefore being afraid of somebody else's mm. so there so, was fear basically it like was every fear discussion was fear based it okay. was very fear based um and so other than that you know my my sex education and a lot of our sex education is very dependent upon either porn um or peers porn and peers you know that's gonna be the title of the show go ahead yeah wait <laughs> my friends started having sex before penetrating sex let me be clear before i did so mm. like a lot of it was me listening to their stories and then learning outside of that it was like real sex on hbo you know oh. having your the, the oh my gosh i forgot all that and real, and real sex, sex yes if I heard somebody come in, you yes. know, like, yeah. And it was all white people. You barely saw black people on real sex. Barely sex. Saw. Yes. But I was like, I'll take it. Pink nipples, you know, <laughs> I'll take it. Let me learn something. I, you know, because I was, sex was, even though it wasn't explicitly said this is taboo, mm-hmm. energetically, I could feel that sex was this one thing that was forbidden mm. and I wanted to but I knew in my being and in my core that I was sexual that was the, I mean probably I discovered that before I knew what being black meant mm. right like I knew in my core I was a sexual being blackness is a concept that came later in life wow. and so I wanted to know what the fuck is this wow yeah wow I, okay that's actually very relatable. So thank you for that. Uh, Bria, how was sex education brought to you? It was definitely framed um, under the guise of, of health ed, at least for the first couple of years. So I, I would say that I was fortunate enough to have some dialogue around it. However, it took me years, I think, to put the pieces together about what people were talking about. I think with children in particular, folks talk in circles about it like you get a little bit of an anatomy discussion and then you get a little bit of a um all of a sudden you know here's how pregnancy works and then it's like don't have sex or get std and then you know what i mean and so that was what i heard at the time um but i did have it at interval so like i had health education in fifth grade and then we had what they called health education it really should have just been called sex ed in seventh grade where we went more in, in depth about the information um i think again in 10th grade and then I actually was kind of on my own free will, took a class on women's reproductive health is what it was called. But it was probably the most comprehensive of all the classes I took. That was my senior year of high school uh, where we walked through everything, actually talked about sex. To me, that was the first true sex ed class I had where we talked about the different STIs at that point. They were starting to call them and like um, decision making skills and stuff. And it made me so happy to have that. And then they got rid of that course. <laughs> and no longer offered it to students the year after me. It was offered for one year. They're like, this is too radical. Um, I think that was telling you offline. This, that was the one where I wrote the paper about the G-spot. And these folks were like, what are you teaching these girls? Um, yeah, so um, I was fortunate because I did not grow up in an absent-only household or, or even um, curriculum. But on the flip side of that, culturally, the way I was being socialized at the time, was was absolutely abstinence only like i did the whole purity ring thing um which who is deeply problematic but yeah so we're being taught this one thing like it's natural it's gonna happen eventually you need to know these things but on the flip side don't do this thing um you need to wait for xyz to happen in your life or you're going to hell like um super super problematic but at least i got the information and i understand how valuable that was um so yeah I that's relatable as well honestly for me abstinence was like the main part of sex education that I got it was either it was like hot or cold right it was either I was learning about abstinence and this was in my household from um because I come from a Christian family which I call like a half-ass Christian family to be honest (laughs) but I come from a Christian family, especially my grandmother, who was the most uh, devout Christian. And at 11, I remember, you know, making that same promise to wait until I was married and having a number of period rings because I kept losing them. And I was thinking like, hey, was I losing it because 
you know, the universe was like, nah, sis, like, <laughs> but what you is doing, you know, but anyway, so, <laughs> like, you need to not play that, uh, play with that. But, um, so I, it was abstinence in the household, but then we also knew about, you know, the anatomy. We knew that if we, you know, if, if we were to have sex, we, there was potential to get pregnant. There was potential to, um, you know, to contract, uh, any type of STIs or then we would call them strictly STDs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it was pretty fear-based. Um, mm-hmm. so, and we got a little bit of, uh, not a little bit, but we also were, you know, made known like, okay, if you do have sex, so like ensure you wear condoms and, you know, we knew that birth control exists, but I don't ever remember going in deep conversation with my family about the different types of birth control at the time. Um, and then even in school, we had health education, which didn't really tackle on, on sex or intercourse at all. It was just more about, you know, the anatomy of the body. And I don't really remember them touching too much on, uh, like the, uh, sexual organs, um, mm-hmm. at least to that degree. But then in high school, I certainly remember when we had our sex ed <clears throat> classes, um, the, one thing that I do admire was that they had brought someone in from the outside. So we weren't, so the teachers mm-hmm. there weren't forced to have, you know, weird, what they would may consider weird conversations, um, you know, with the kids or they wouldn't push whatever their beliefs may have been on kids. I hear crazy stories about just things that teachers will bring up um, or make up really and try to teach kids. Um, so they brought somebody in from the outside, but she was also mm-hmm. teaching abstinence. And again, then in high school, I was all for abstinence. So I was like, yeah, teach these people to wait till marriage, all those things. But it wasn't realistic, to be honest. Like majority of those kids were getting in where they fit in, you know what I'm saying? And we're already having sexual intercourse. And I do remember actually us making fun of our rival school within our district. Um, I do remember making fun of them because they had like a chlamydia outbreak. And I remember, like, we just, we went in on them when we had, like, basketball games, I think, at the time against them, like, within the two weeks that that they had the outbreak. And I remember us making jokes saying, like, oh, we don't want to play against them because we might catch something. You know, just silly, silly, very uneducated things Mm -hmm. like that. But, um, you know, those stigmas were there, right? Mm -hmm. But it was nothing that was truly comprehensive, like you guys are talking about, like you all do. Um, now, um, and I think that's 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 very important. That's something that that we were all um, that we were all kind of missing. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not really relatable. And then yeah. we're and then we're unfortunately forced to learn from peers in porn. You know, maybe not mm-hmm. forced, but still, like you know, we we right. go we, we go whatever we know, and then we we find it wherever we feel most comfortable. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, it's in places where we have to hide, like you sneak and watch porn and mm-hmm. get ready to, to have your remote ready to change to the next to the next show. Somebody walk in on you watching real sex, mm-hmm. right? Or what was that lady's right. name? That old lady's name who would do the- um, oh, Ruth. Yeah, yeah, Ruth. Yeah, so thank y'all for sharing. Um, so definitely sharing those experiences and you, uh, you did pinpoint on some things that were that could have been harmful or that may have been harmful at the time. Um, what from your experiences do you, would you say was like truly helpful and may have even connected you to the work that you're doing now? I would say that, that last class I was mentioning that I took my senior year of, of high school actually shaped my, my career. Like it set me off on, okay, well where, what do I want to study? And I knew at that time, I was really invested in what I understood to be women's health. Obviously, we talk about it in a much more, um, in a, a much less gendered way, in fact. Um, but that was what I understood. And I was appreciative of that teacher for, for actually giving us the tools to go out into the world and make not only um, educated decisions, but like pre-processed ones. You know what I mean? Like she asked us, you know, if you got pregnant at 18, what would you do? If you got pregnant at 22, what would you do? And we continued on until we kind of had an idea you know and it got folks thinking well do I ever want to have children you know and and I know that potential some acts of certain types of sexual acts could lead to that let me think about this a little bit more um and it made me think like wow it's so valuable to get this information even earlier than you know I was 17 when that happened um and so it shaped my career and I 
you know, I'm not about to run down my resume, but it definitely made me pick strategically about what I was going to do. So now I get to do this as for a living and I'm super appreciative of that. And the people who were in place, um, it's actually funny. My, my first health educator, um, she just reminded me of this recently black woman, wonderful. She owns a business called Badge Esteem. Um, and she, um, is a director of, of sex ed for Planned Parenthood of Maryland. And she reminded me that she came and taught sex ed, or she was trying to teach sex ed at, at a Christian youth group that I was in when I was like 12. Aww. And I think I, which is so sweet because I don't remember this, but I'm glad she was there. I'm glad she remembered me. And she has said, um, you asked if you were going to teach, if she was going to teach us how to put on a condom. And I guess my youth group organizer freaked out. She said, well, no, we're not learning that today. And she never invited her back. So when our paths crossed again, I know, wild. So when our paths crossed again, I was interning at that same Planned Parenthood and we ran into each other in the hallway. Um, and now she's a great mentor and friend, but I was just like, wow. So there were people and I'm, you know, people strategically placed in my life that were really trying to guide me before I even realized that, um, you know, and I was looking for the answers. Like, like you were saying, like we were looking for answers and trying to get honest ones and people yeah. were just like, nope. No, no, we are not. We're not doing that. For heaven forbid, you have a legitimate question about your body, your thoughts and feelings. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Side note, I'm going to answer your question, but something was just said that I was like, ooh, about the whole pregnancy conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that was another thing, right? The fear based around, you know, mm-hmm. you know not getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. But I that never deterred me from wanting to have sex. I never was concerned about that. And the reason why is because I was so disconnected from my body that I didn't even think I was capable of creating. Wow. Wow. So I knew like in theory that yeah, sex can make a baby, but I was so disconnected from my own womb that I didn't even know it's Mm. the power of my body Mm. and what it could do. So I was like, oh, yeah, I can fuck with no condom. Mm. Let a few niggas nut in me. Mm. I'm not concerned Mm. about that because I don't even, I'm like, it it took for me to get pregnant to realize, oh. The possibility. I can get pregnant. Wow. I didn't even, Mm -hmm. I did, I I did, so, yeah. And I know I'm not the only person out there thinking like that. Yeah. You hear yeah. men and boys say that. I mean, I knew, but I didn't know. I didn't know, you know. But it's women that believe that too. Like, oh, you know, I could just, it ain't, I'm not going to get, no, yeah. not me. Yeah. And it doesn't click. And and, don't click. and I think I, so the same yet the opposite happened with me. Because mm-hmm. now, now you saying that reminds me of when I started my menstrual. Mm-hmm. And I knew enough, like my family were comfortable enough with one another to like if something happens like when that happened Mm -hmm. during the day at school nothing like drastic or dramatic like I wasn't like you know Mm -hmm. nobody could see anything but me but I knew to like wait till my mom got home and show her and say hey like you know what is this whatever was going on and my mom was like oh like basically told me that I started my administration Mm -hmm. and she goes well if you have sex now you can get pregnant so pair that with the um, teaching mm-hmm. about abstinence. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's what pushed me even more to wait until marriage because I didn't want to get pregnant. Mm. I would think that I was thinking that every time I would have sex, I could get pregnant. Yeah, I you know wish what I would have thought. So that, that takes, <laughs> <laughs> but but that takes away, but that took took away, and still I think takes away from like the ability to truly enjoy because the fear is still there of what mm-hmm. could happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you see what happened when you scare people? Shit. We can't even enjoy life. No, that's real. I would, I almost kind of, yeah. well, no, I don't wish that. I wish a more middle ground, but yeah. yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there for the listeners, the people that are, we so disconnected from our the creation yeah. of what our, you know, our creative powers. Thank you for that. So, in terms of what was helpful to me, my auntie always used to say, make sure you don't let nobody have sex with you with the lights off. <laughs> you check they shit before. <laughs> my auntie always used to say that shit. And I would be looking at her like, girl, ew, you know. But <laughs> she used to say that shit so, like, 
like unapologetically. So I guess that was helpful um, <laughs> in some ways, you know, because I, I did check. Like, I mean, let me look at that, yeah. you know. So. Um, Put the flashlight on the iPhone in there. Yeah. <laughs> Look the land up real quick. Right. Let me see. Um, and then, um, and not that checking can always be a, 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 a yeah, exact, I guess you could say, tool to determine if somebody has an STI, but yeah. it can. Mm-hmm. I mean, irregardless, you should be looking at what you're putting inside. Yeah. You know, if you have the ability to look, you should have, you should look at what you're putting inside yourself. <laughs> Um, or what you putting yourself inside of this. But yeah, shit, I don't know. I don't know what was helpful for. Oh, masturbation. I've been on this masturbation journey since I was 17 years old. I was, I mean, I got a fake ID when I was 15. My best friend's uh, <laughs> sister gave it to me. So I used my fake ID to go to the sex shop because it was this sex shop back at home that was like, you know, on the corner of like where I went to school at. From there, I was like, Oh, <laughs> I became an advocate for masturbation after that. I swear to God, I used to have conversations with my friends like, why we don't touch ourselves? Bitch, because oh, yeah. I got somebody to touch me. What we all do, it's never been like, you know, a challenge to find it. Okay, I like that. And I think that actually reminded me of one of my uh, best friends growing up. She, you know, she was, uh, what do you call it? Early starter or whatever. She Early start. Uh, early start. She started early. She started early bloomer. Yes. Um, no, I think we were like in eighth grade. And I remember actually being there. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But I remember actually, not, not there like in the room, but I remember being in the house or whatever. Okay. And, um, and you know, she just turned out to be very promiscuous and, you know, all the things. And I think she probably just kind of sex to have sex. But <clears throat> we would have the conversation about like masturbation. And she told me she would never do that. Like, and she had never did that. And then up until I think we were probably in college, she was like, she had never even had an orgasm. I knew what an orgasm was. Oh, poor thing. I know. And I'm over here like, well experienced in that category. Like, girl, you better start talking yourself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, that speaks volumes though, right? Like what Maisha was saying, it's like, so for me, I became, <laughs> I became well-versed in, self-pleasure pretty early um well before I became sexually active um and as when I say sexually active meaning I was engaging in sexual activity with other partners not even penetrative sex just you know um I think at that point I started with oral sex first but I um I'm so glad I did because I knew what felt good and I wasn't having sex just because I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing um I I was very clear on what was supposed to feel good and when something didn't feel good I was in a position where I felt like I could explain that and advocate for that. Mm. And I think a lot of folks would, when you demonize masturbation in particular, you set folks up for failure um, as far as, you know, exploring their own pleasure. And then it also informs the way that they look at sex and sexual health and shame Mm. and all those other things. So it's all connected. Yeah. I love how you said that. That, That's, that's exactly right. And yeah, that's, I can definitely relate to that. Um, So I definitely want to make sure we talk about, forms of protection because we're going to talk about that like continue to talk about sex and all the pleasures that come with it um but i do want to discuss you know just the different forms of protection and all those things and here is why because bria actually <laughs> episode okay and i forget what you were posting on your story but i think it had it obviously has something to do with sex ed and then that's when i discovered that that is that's your nine to five right is comprehensive sex education mm-hmm. And, um, and, um, and then there was something else that you had posted, like, shortly after in your story, and you had mentioned a finger. I had posted, <laughs> yeah, I was going through, um, at work, we, we gave away a lot of condoms, a lot of condoms. I work on, for a university, and, um, so I was sorting through the different types of condoms we have. We have 14 different types that we carry, um, and these are external condoms, as we call them, so condoms for folks who have penises. Um, and so we have 14 different kinds. And I had also said, we also have oral dams and finger cuts. And Brittany hit me up like, girl, what the hell is a finger cut? What is this, this sorcery you speak of? Um, and yeah, so that's how we started talking, talking about it. Um, but yeah, there's so many different options out there. And I think 
when I talk about different forms of, of barrier methods in particular, I like to, I get excited about them because I think folks see them as a hindrance to a, pl- a pleasurable sex life when in, in fact there shouldn't be. That's why we have 14 different kinds. We got, you know, kinds with all different types of ribs and studs and materials and lubes. And so like, it should be just as fun for you to explore barrier methods as it is to find a new partner or partners or, you know, whatever you're, you're into at the moment in time. Like if you get bored with your condom, switch it out. Um, and I also think Ooh. when it comes to like putting the onus on, like we're, we're talking in a heteronormative situation right now, because unfortunately that's how most sex ed is right now. And we can get into that in a, you know, a bit, but um, we put the responsibility on the folks with penises more often than not our cis men to um, come, make sure that, the condoms being used are to their liking and they're not thinking about what their partner, which might be a, a cis woman in this circumstance might like. And so I'm a big fan of like, if you are using condoms at all, you should have condoms that you like, like that would serve you so that you can, you're not um, dissuaded from using them because you don't like what kind you have. Um, so yeah, if we're talking about just breakdown of what is what, external condoms are typically going to be made of latex. They're going to go over a penis. Um, there's a bunch of different shapes, sizes, cuts, uh, materials. If you're allergic to latex, there's polyurethane. Um, and an allergy to latex, a lot of folks don't know what to look for. It might seem as if you have um, an SCI, so that burning, itching, swelling of the skin, that shouldn't be happening when you put a condom on. So you might be allergic to latex. And that, at that point, try polyurethane. Um, and then the other... Let me just say that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I want people to know, like, it's okay. You know, if you are, like, I'm going to put that. I don't, I am. I like my pussy be like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah, for real. It's so like, it's so we don't talk about it and people are like, I don't know what's happening. And they're afraid to ask someone else because we, you know, made this conversation so uncomfortable for folks to have. I guess perfectly. It's so, it's so common. It's so common to be, allergic to things or you know unfortunately the materials that they put into condoms a lot of times are not um they're not always vagina friendly so like being mindful of the fact that it might not gel with your particular ph needs and your bacterial balance and all of those things you need to think about um so yeah those are external condoms and then finger cots i like to say are (laughs) are condoms for the queer folks so they are basically little (laughs) mini condoms that go over your fingers um, and so some folks have asked me, I actually had a student ask me last week, why would I ever need to use those? Um, and what I was trying to explain to her was that if you are, and she's I queer identified, um, if you are fingering your partner, um, your, our hands touch everything. And even if you wash them, you still are harboring bacteria under them. those nails. Um, some people will have like micro cuts, cuts you can't see, paper cuts, stuff like that. So if you want to keep your partner healthy and yourself healthy, you're better off just putting a barrier on. And not everybody's into wearing a full glove. So you have finger cuts available. Yeah. Um, and you can put whatever kind of lube you want on the outside. It makes for easier cleanup. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think finger cuts are dope yeah. and people should have them. Um, I, I actually have a story about that. It's not my own story, but still a story that I know. So I actually had friends um, who hooked up and uh that type of pleasurable activity had happened and it, without a finger cut and my friend um who was the receiver in this story um had she was like spotting for like a month and she was freaking the fuck out mm-hmm. she didn't know what was going on and so she you know she went to the doctor and it turned out that she had had an infection and it was pretty clear that, you know, the fact that, you know, she had engaged in this type of activity without any type of protection was what caused it because the friend who was the um, penetrator at the time <laughs> with her finger, what she had like these long nails, she probably had like one on her hands, girl. So she like, long story short, they ain't friends no more, but still, so so (laughs) right if that's helpful for our listeners you know to have a story that goes along with just you know the reasons Mm -hmm. why that's necessary and you know all the things that can come with it like our vaginas are very sensitive like you know even the ones that aren't 
quote unquote sensitive. You don't have to get like the sensitive products and all other stuff. Like at the end of the day, mm-hmm. our vaginas are very sensitive and going back to the pH, like almost anything can kind of throw us off. So we want to ensure that we're healthy. Mm-hmm. So I'm, thank you for educating me on that. Cause I had no idea what a finger cut was. I was definitely in your DMs like, girl, <laughs> keep telling, keep educating us queen <laughs> yeah so then you have oral dams some people refer to them as dental dams i'm not a big fan of that because like what you're using at the dentist is not what you use in in your bedroom you know what i'm saying so oral dams are basically it's a latex sheath you can also buy them in polyurethane if need be um, but it's like if you cut a condom up the side lengthwise and open it up that's essentially the size of a dental dam or an oral dam and they come in a bunch of different flavors, um, like no mint, chocolate, banana. I don't. On sidebar, I don't know why they keep making flavored things and, and banana flavor because that's just not. I mean, for me, I'm just gonna say of all the ones, that's is probably the worst. I would start with like vanilla or mint, so you're not completely off put uh, by the idea yeah. of it. The artificial banana just ain't it. But you lay it over your partner's vulva um, or your partner's anus before you perform oral sex on them, and so. Um, the idea is that it creates, a, again, a barrier um, that's not porous, and it can keep them safe from any bacteria you might have in your mouth. And some folks are saying, well, isn't this only beneficial to people who get cold sores or have oral herpes? And it absolutely is beneficial for those folks, but it's also our mouths harbor bacteria. The same way that you were just saying, you could throw up that pH with literally anything. That includes putting your mouth on somebody else's um, vagina or in their general vicinity. And so... Um, I think oral dams are a great tool. You should keep them on hand, particularly if you have multiple partners or you're frequently, you know, in switching out your partners. Um, just makes for easier cleanup, safer sex. Um, also, you can get chlamydia and gonorrhea in your throat. And so being mindful of that, it's important to use things like oral dams and flavored condoms um, if you and your partner maybe haven't had the STI conversation. And even if you had and you just want to be on the extra careful side, um, use those and you can get them they're hard to find in stores but they're normally on Amazon or other um, online retailers so yeah but yeah you can get all the flavors you want try them all mm-hmm. <laughs> yes internal condoms internal condoms are unfortunately called female condoms most of the time but you can wear them inside of a vagina um, and then they're long enough that they actually hang out on the outside of the vagina and can cover the a general like a smaller part of the vulva and the clitoris um and so these are helpful if you happen to have a partner who has a penis and they don't like wearing condoms i hear that a lot of like my partner doesn't like wearing condoms so i'm like well you wear them um and they're made of polyurethane so you don't have to worry about that latex allergies and you can put lubricant on the inside of them as well as on the outside you can do that with external condoms too but um, just make it more fun they're also kind of hard to come by but i like to have offer up all the options and some folks say that they like the stimulation that they experience with the internal condom against their clitoris so um it's something worth trying out if you've never tried them before um yeah girl because when you said it covers the clitoris i was like that could be fun yeah yeah it like it like make let this be fun like make it fun definitely explore it a bit i think we unfortunately in our heteronormative and male-centered society it's like the only valid condom is an external condom and that's just not the truth that shouldn't be the norm um, because it gives them way too much um power over what's happening with our bodies particularly if that's what you know the genitalia your partners have Mm -hmm. so um and they all all barrier methods work well with other types of of contraceptives for pregnancy prevention so you know you want to keep your all your bases covered if that's something that you're trying to prevent at this time in your life or forever so yeah awesome that's actually very 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 helpful i didn't know that there were different flavors for the oral dams or oral dams yeah. but that's, so that's fun yeah try all the flavors y'all see and tell us what y'all think what flavors taste the best mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm thinking chocolate <laughs> Ooh, I, <laughs> you just reminded me one other thing i want to mention about brands and condoms because this comes up a lot a lot, a lot, a lot with my students is they're like, if it ain't Trojan, I ain't using it. Um, like, I'm not with the lifestyles, I'm not with the Derricks. And so all condoms before they can even be sold have to go through routine testing. And so they have to be validated before they can be sold. So as far as Trojans working better than lifestyles, that's not necessarily true. 
the quality, meaning like the bells and whistles, it's like the equivalent of you buy like, you know, brand name cereal versus like the generic cereal. You know, they got to tweak that formula just a little bit so it's not exactly the same. Yeah. So you might like brand name better because brand name puts a little extra razzle dazzle in that situation versus like you get your regular cereal over here, but they both work just as well. Having Durex or having lifestyles is not an excuse to not use the condoms. Um, and if your condoms are breaking, then you probably are either wearing them for too long, you don't have enough lube, or they're not the right size for you. So, Growers and not showers, so maybe they put on this bigger yeah. condom because when no, they okay. grow, it fills up. I have experienced people mm-hmm. who that's not the case. We're trying to do the razzle dazzle. Condom is too big, and you buy the right size condom. Okay, that like stop. Right. <laughs> well, it goes. That also goes back to like the hypersexualization of of black men in particular we're talking about men and this pressure to be like if you ain't got xyz thing you're not legitimate as a black man so we got to stop putting this expectation um you know society well i won't say we because i think we ain't the ones doing it but society needs to stop putting this expectation on them that if they ain't this they're not legitimate um because it's dangerous i mean the condoms dangerous in the sense of like they're engaging in acts of self-harm by not wearing what they need um Mm -hmm. and they're also feeling invalidated and also it is very unlikely that you can make your penis bigger. Like at your own, you might be able to take medication that will temporarily trigger some swelling. You might be able to, to do some other things, but you probably are not going to make it bigger than what it it already is. Right. What you got, with the exception. Yeah, you know, like, so I feel bad that there's little, like, teenage boys out here, like, if I put this on here and, and pray real hard, <laughs> it'll, Girl. like, oh, gosh. Yeah, and don't let them ads on Pornhub fool y'all, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Them little pills or that little machine ain't gonna... Oof. <laughs> that ain't it. You know, it's gonna have blood you clots. Yourself. With that right, you, right, exactly. Like, that's what I mean by dangerous. Like, you gonna hurt yourself. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We are living millennial. Oh, ba, 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 ba. All right, friends, that's our show. Tune in next time. Hey, more to come. More, more, more to come. Be sure to subscribe to our show. Follow us on IG and tell us what you think.